You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey, guys, and welcome to the JRER podcast. What a great week. What did you think about this week, Adam? I thought it was amazing. Dude, uh, come on. I mean, Jan, Yanni, uh-huh. Mr. Jan Werner. I thought it was Jan. It's definitely not. It's Jan. It's Jan. Um, Mr. Roger Waters. Legend. I mean, come on. Pink Floyd is my one of my top five favorite bands for, that was, sh- for sure that was very exciting and then just legendary sober october probably one of the best ones yet mm. i mean bert was on fire yeah so i thought it was a great week it was a it was a fun exciting uh important week for sure for sure good one i let's, was i was stoked to listen to all of them let's open up with how um, Rogan talked about the FBI made a statement. I think he did this on Two Bears, One Cave. He was yep. talking to Tom about it. And he goes, the FBI made a statement about Zuckerberg's um, comments on Rogan. And bear in mind, the FBI barely do, you know, statements like this. So, yeah, why are they get, Why are they getting involved? Come on. Because there's 12 million people listening to his podcast and they don't want the perception of what's happening with the FBI to be, you know, skewed. Yeah, I it's guess. called they're scared of people knowing the truth. Ooh, the mm. truth comes out on Rogan. Right. Right? I mean, big. I don't think Zuckerberg was lying about those things. That's probably why they, they got involved. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. He took a lot of criticism for it, though, you know. Anyway, let's jump over to Jan. Sorry. Jan. Love it. Jan Werner. What a legend. I, I had no idea. Did you know he was such good friends with Hunter S? I mean, if he ran Rolling Stone, he had to be. Yeah, right. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, now that I think about it. I, I guess, mean, who else would put up with Hunter S's behavior? I, I guess I just, I didn't know... You know, there's one thing to be a friend of someone's and an acquaintance. Yeah. And like they write for you and they're the only ones that will publish your stuff. But I mean, they were homies. Like they were, they were tight. That's, that's, I mean, he lived with them. He lived with Jan and his wife, sounds like, for a while. A legendary magazine. You know, it's changed a lot recently. I think a lot of people are aware of this. It's almost like Vice. You know, it started off really fringe and fun and then it just got a bit kind of, I don't know, watered down. Yeah, that'll um, happen. But still a huge contribution to the zeitgeist. I mean, look, it, the 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 beauty of Rolling Stone was they were they were talking about things that no one else was talking about. You don't you don't see these things in Life magazine. I mean, what else was there in the in the 60s? Life mm-hmm. magazine was probably the the biggest life and time. Time. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. There was no, and they there was no talk of of music magazines and and if you think about the history of rock and roll, that's when it began was was with Rolling Stone. I yeah. mean, they, it was like coinciding with that publication. Yeah. Do you know that guy uh, is worth like seven hundred million as well? 
according to like, Yanni. Yeah, makes like, sense. The what is that dumb website that's like celebrity net worth? I mean, it's probably not right, but he's worth big money, and he clearly doesn't care if the uh, if guys like him are getting taxed. 30 40 50 percent either so you gotta you gotta you gotta appreciate that guy he's not a greedy son of a bitch yeah yeah he seemed pretty genuine for sure i didn't you know the one thing that i just have in my notes here that i want to bring up in 1972 was the first year 18 year olds could vote i did not know that that's insane is that what was it before 21 M- must have been huh. I, they didn't mention that they just he Jan just mentioned that in 1972 was the first year 18-year-olds could vote, and that was such a huge thing for Rolling Stone, I'm sure, because they it is a pretty political magazine. It, as much as they probably wanted to talk about music, there was a lot of politics happening. Sure. I Probably the only reason they allowed it, the people that would push against that, is because, you know, younger people are often more liberal, but also they're young people, so they're too lazy to vote. Yeah, it's an issue still. It's unfortunate, really. But that's probably old enough. To have an opinion, I think. Makes sense. Yeah, man. I mean, look, it, it's old enough to not be caught up in greed and have enough, so much money that you're going to vote red every time, no matter what, because you're loaded. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. It's the only thing keeping this world balanced is the young kids with no money. Yeah. I wish they had talked more about Hunter. You know, there were some great stories, but I wanted some, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, they talk about the Ibergain yeah. story that he made up that was just hilarious every time um and then most of it was kind of just sad like the struggle yeah and being despondent and not connecting and, and him not being able to get his hands on coke and freaking yeah. out with the snowstorm and I, that was a good one this there was a snowstorm in, in aspen he couldn't he couldn't leave right kind of ironic there's a snowstorm but he couldn't get any snow mm-hmm he, uh, what, did, what did he want to change the name of the town to? Butt Town? No, a uh, pig. Was it? It wasn't I thought it butt was town. Butt Town or like something town pigs or, or yeah. Anyways, he changed hilarious. changed the the name of the town. Yeah, I mean he was he was close to winning that election as for sheriff. That's crazy. He was close. Yeah, um, he didn't want people moving there. I guess so. It's kind of like the Bozeman situation. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Aspenized. We got to change Bozeman's name to Butt Town. It, yeah, we should. We should. I liked, um, I, I think they went on and on about Hunter for, you know, enough, enough time and talked about, um, you know, the fear and loathing in Elko story, which I did not know about. Obviously, mm. everybody knows about fear and loathing in Las Vegas and him being on the campaign trail for McGovern. If right. you know McGovern, he was a great man. I wish he would have became president, but of course we got Nixon's dumbass instead. And I wasn't even alive then, but you look back on Nixon's presidency, isn't he one of two presidents that had to resign? Yeah. So, yeah. Properly what, impeached. Douche. Not to mention the war on drugs. And we could go on and on how many, in Watergate, I mean, that he was a horrible president. And McGovern was a good guy. And I think Hunter knew that. I was, I was surprised to hear, especially because Rogan is such a Hunter fan, that he didn't even know about him until that until uh fear and loathing came out rogan didn't that's what he said really yeah huh i like mean when, I, the, when the story came out in rolling stone which was oh. in the which was in the 90s but oh. still then that's the 90s i feel like i when knew when did who, they make fear and loathing the end of the 90s 
It wasn't 2000s. It was, late, it was, it was like mid to late. I think it was late 90s. I remember okay. being in high school and watching that film. Yeah. So it was definitely mid to late 90s. But he wrote that story in Rolling Stone. That's where it first came out. It was an excerpt from that. It was Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail. Where they, they turned it into Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You know there was a Bill Murray movie they did? That was the early one. Yeah, Buffalo something. Soldier? Where the, where the Buffalo roam. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking of... Murray does a great job with yeah. impersonating him too, but I, I truly think that... Uh, I think that Johnny Depp did a, played a better part. Well, it was a more interesting movie because that shit was wild. Yeah. It, it sounds like Jan's book is coming out, uh, or maybe it's already out, like a Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Talked about that. I'd love to read that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I liked how, you know, they, they brought up how nuclear is part of the solution. I mean, obviously, Jan is, is extremely scared about the situation of our planet and the environment and too much carbon. He definitely w- went on one about that. Yeah, he they did. Talked a lot about billionaires and kind of billionaires controlling the country. The one thing that surprised me was how much he kind of, had Biden's back. Did you notice that? A little bit. Yeah, that was it seemed pretty I mean, he's it's definitely a, an example of someone that's like been you know, drinking the Kool-Aid of yeah. a particular party. And that's hard to listen to e- either side. I don't care if you're Republican or a Democrat when it's just like one side is all wrong and the and you know, he's making a lot of excuses. Right. For what's happening now, and th- that kind of frustrates me. Yeah, it was frustrating for him to say that, you know, I don't trust unvetted sources, like the Hunter Biden thing wasn't true or something. That that bugged me, because it's like, Jan, you should know better. You should You should know better. Did you see the video about the laptop? I mean... But it might explain some of what's happening to the magazine now. Maybe. You know? Maybe. It's... I mean, does he even run the magazine anymore? He they didn't talk about the magazine now. They pretty much just were, you know, talking about, you know, Hunter and, and older issues yeah. of the magazine. I don't know if he still does, actually. Probably should have looked that up. Um, I need a Jamie. I think my the favorite thing, well, one of my favorite things, and I've heard this quote before, but I, I start it, um, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. I don't know who... Did that quote was it a pres- was that a Jefferson quote or is that a Thomas Jefferson? I feel like it's one of our forefathers who said that, but it doesn't matter who said it. It's a brilliant quote, mm-hmm. and I appreciated Jan saying, "Look, we're not going to get perfect, but we're we can do better." What you know, pick the it's kind of like pick the the out of the two evils, pick the better evil kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's it's just difficult to hear when people start uh, saying things like, "Well, you know what we need to do? We got to take the money out of politics, and we got to do this out of this, and we got." It's almost like you're basically saying these impossible things that are never going to happen need to happen before we can move forward, and that's not a very good way of making a solution for anything. So, I don't know. Just me personally, I start to discount someone's idea when they just throw that out there. True, but a little bit. But you could tell he's a good-hearted person, right? He mm-hmm. means well, and I think what he was trying to say is that we've all been taught 
this American dream. And it, it's almost like we've forgotten what's important in America, which is helping your neighbor. You know, if, you, if you're only trying to enhance this ride for yourself and not for others, then it's a problem. And that seems to be what's happening now. It's like we have this wealth gap that's insane. That's never been this way. Maybe in the depression it was, but even the numbers are like so skewed now to the to the very very uber wealthy. Mm-hmm. And you know, you got people like Joe Rogan who's making millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, who's still not even close in comparison to the billionaires. You know, yeah, it's like Joe looks like a peasant compared to these people running our country. No doubt, I'm sure. I'm sure Elon Musk can spend in a day. Joe's net worth and he won't even notice. Yeah. So there is that. <laughs> there definitely is that. But it also along the lines of like at the end he was talking about uh how he thinks the government should regulate the internet. Ooh. Yeah. Really? I do not have that in my notes. Oh, Nani yeah. was saying that? Yeah, and he was and Rogan was like, Well, wait a minute. Who, no. What? Absolutely but not. But it but it kind of lines up with some of the things that he was saying otherwise. It's almost as well. like he trusts it's, our government too much. Still, assuming that it's uh, Democrat right. government elected, which is it's dangerous on both ends. To absolutely, do that. absolutely. And if they control the internet, like that's the freest space that exists, for good or bad. Well, they're already. I mean, let's bring Zuckerberg back into the conversation. They're already trying to, and look where that's gotten us. Mm. They're already trying to control it. They're already trying to tell the biggest, you know, Facebook dot com, the biggest social network platform on in the history of the world yeah if the fbi go the fbi is already trying to talk to him out of posting things so they're already trying it and that's not good we all know that that's horrible yeah i guess the government just likes to police everything if they can as long as they're making that mighty dollar baby yeah they're not policing shit if they're not making money off of it it's true but you know th- those are wacky ideas because it it doesn't make it doesn't even line up with how he believes. Imagine if back in the day when he started this magazine, I'm sure there was a lot of pressure for him not to write about certain things, post certain things, and he needed freedom of press. Absolutely, to do that. Yeah, it, so it goes against his ideals. It, it doesn't make sense. It's almost like he's moved so far away from something now that. I don't know. He wants to spike everybody's water with LSD, so. That was a crazy (laughs) idea. Joe was like, maybe not Maybe if they don't choose. Yeah, maybe we should let the people decide if they want to take it. Exactly. You got to choose to drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid. He backed backed out of it, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. We don't want to involuntarily give it to them. (laughs) But, but that's what I mean. It's like it's a poorly thought idea. I hate to say it, but it's like, whoa, easy, Tiger. Yeah. What I did mean, you think of the difference between the Michael Jackson and John Lennon interaction? Ooh. Like John really opened interviewing up. Interviewing him, them, him interviewing both of them. Yeah. John yeah. really opened up and like explained about the frustrations of fame and that he just was a normal guy and just wanted peace and had these other ideas and he wasn't this, just this Beatle you know, phenomenon that existed, but also he was more. But then there was Michael that he was kind of like, sure, you couldn't get more out of. And Joe wasn't buying that. Joe was like, you know what? If I go in front of this guy, I think I could make more happen. I mean, he said that about Obama as well, which he kind of skirted the question 
because he also Jan also interviewed Obama mm, multiple times, and I he had some good points. It's hard to get sometimes in interviews. It's hard to get the real questions out without pissing people off. I mean, you know, egotistical uh, ego gets in the way of a lot of people who are famous, right? Whether right. it's Michael or John. I think John. It's it's hard to compare the two because John Lennon is so different than Michael Jackson. I don't care. They're both uber famous. I get that. But Michael, I mean, come on. The guy dealt with so much trauma. I mean, he, he is a messed up individual. I mean, I, right. I, we don't even have to go into the pedophilia, but it's like, it's so much different in my mind. That but guy least, was so fucked up. At least up. John got to live into kind of early adulthood as you know, a normal working class guy from Liverpool. Right. Whereas Michael, how young was he when he that, started? That's kind of what I'm saying. They're like not a tiny. You can't kid, even right? compare the two. No. Michael Jackson was famous by the time he even understood what fame was. Right. The kid was what ten, eight years old, singing with his brothers, and he was the most famous one in the band mm. from the start. Yeah, wild. John already, like you said, he lived came from a working class family in Liverpool. He was already a grown ass man, really, before he got famous. I guess it makes sense then. You know, it's just like, and to be honest, if he can't get an interview out of somebody, maybe nobody could, because there really aren't that many. I think Oprah probably got the most compelling Jackson out of Michael. Yeah, yeah, Oprah's good. Oprah's Oprah's a yeah. She's good at. She was good at. Interviews for sure, no doubt. And I think that might have something to do with just her personality. Is a you might open up to a woman more than a man. At mm-hmm. least I, I think you might. At least Michael might. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're both African American as well. Like they could relate in different ways. And and Oprah is just whatever you think of her. She was excellent at doing what she did. There's a reason yeah. she's. I think Oprah's great. Yeah. Yeah. Who's yeah. who's saying anything bad about Oprah? I don't know. I don't watch that shit. I'm just maybe it's just me. I'm like I never really watched anything she did, yeah. but I know that she's good at what she does because absolutely. I mean, she's a powerhouse. She had her own TV network, I think. Like yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right, let's jump over to good old Roger Waters. Oh, Raj. I uh have you ever seen Floyd or Roger Waters? Not live. I but saw I know who they are and well, yeah they're legends I saw Roger you know he's, he split up from his band in the I want to say 90s I think was their last tour maybe even late 80s but anyway he came to um, Michigan when I was growing up when I was in high school and I went to see him and they played he played the entire Wall album and I was absolutely blown away I think that's why they're in my top five favorite bands after seeing that live at, as, at a young age i mean i was 16 yeah maybe 17 you know so i i've always loved their music i mean powerful I was, stuff dude actually it's so different than really anything else yeah i mean it's it's psychedelic for sure i mean i think it's one of those bands kind of like the dead where you don't really get to experience it unless you're high on acid at a show he didn't really talk about but they the didn't get into did. it no, no. He kind of, went a different way. It was very political. I, I did not know that Roger was such a political dude. I mean, I, I guess I should know better because of who he is, right? Mm. He's very, he's just a political guy, and he's a smart motherfucker. 
Yeah, and and you know, being called, you know, anti-Jewish and anti-Semitic, yeah, yeah, and a bunch of other t- type of like maybe even slightly pro-Russian, right. you know. He's I mean, just, he's just pro-peace. That's it, and I think that comes as a at a cost or a, like. You know, pro no suppression of anyone. Right. Which is very ideological. You know, when you look into all these different conflicts, it's obviously not as easy as that. But he's just basically saying, look, every human is a person that has rights and shouldn't be suppressed and regardless of who they are. And that's obviously going to make a lot of controversy. It just will. Yeah. But he stands by it and takes a bunch of shit for it. I just love how he has never gone against his ideals and his ideologies. I mean, like like you just were mentioning. I mean, the guy is pro-peace. He always has been. He has always, he's written about it in, in his songs. I mean, mm. f- The Final Cut is one of my absolute favorite albums, and it was his last album before he left Pink Floyd, and I believe that was, like I said, late 80s, early 90s. I had a tape of it, but it's all about war. I mean, that whole album is a story about World War One and bombs and... No shit. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing... That's the... The Final Cut, and he, he wrote the whole thing. I mean, he also wrote the entire album, The Wall. I mean, one of the right. most famous yeah. Pink Floyd albums. Not Which to is, discredit Roger Gilmore, who is also incredible, but they're too, they write in completely different ways. But they were saying he was the brains. It was scary, I think, for Roger to like take over after that guy kind of after, lost it. Yeah, Sid. They Sid Barrett. He, he kind of, I don't know, was was like erring on the side of it wasn't drugs. It wasn't the acid. It wasn't it was just like who he was or like how he was gonna be yeah. and when he just left the band and couldn't write anymore. It seemed like he was not ready for fame and maybe was a schizophrenic. I think it I think he was just going crazy. I mean, like you said, Roger didn't blame it on the acid, even though they were doing plenty of that in the late sixties. He was like, no, he was already he was already going somewhere else, right? You know, it. I mean, it's maybe not like, it pushed him over the edge, right? But, but if you're already struggling, right? And I think they've, you know, it, that's not like a thing that. It, that's a thing that's known. Well, is with like weed, if you're close, with weed, it is. With weed, it is. Is it with that with LSD Dude, as well? Gotta be right. If you're, I don't if know. you're teetering on the edge of sanity and you do some LSD, that's no. probably not going to be it's a true. safe move. It's true. I've seen it happen with friends. Hmm. And it's not like the other band members were taking any less drugs than Sid. Hmm. You know, it was just he was predestined to like ha- have something go, like a screw come loose. That's probably why Roger says it this way because he's like, bro, we did the same yeah. amount of drugs. <laughs> you it's didn't like, mention that, but we we should assume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, but this is probably Adam, what's happening. If here. you and I are in the same room and there's a barrel of whatever, we're all gonna we're gonna be doing the same amount. I mean, come on. Yeah, and if you go completely nuts from it, I'll be like, nah, I was already in Todd. <laughs> Todd was. <laughs> I was I was uh, I was blown away by the fact that he talked about he's only interested in songwriters. He was talking about Neil Young and Dylan. He's like, oh, those are the only kind of bands that I was really, or the artists that I was into. 
that just blew me away. Like, how are those your only two, you know, inspirational figures in the music scene? I mean, he said he doesn't really like rock and roll. He didn't really follow along with He liked classical music, he said. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and there was one song he brought up and they played, God Bless the Child, Billie Holiday. Well, that's an incredible song. It is a great song. It's a great song. song about, yeah. So it was about, uh, you know, God bless the child that has his own or something, right? Like made his own life, right. whether financial or just sorted it out without protection from parents and the rest of it. And there's, there is something cool and special about it. It's a real old style song, though. Oh, I mean, Billie Holiday's voice is so Legendary. iconic. What about... I, I have this start. He was talking about some of the best lyrics um, from the song Echoes, which is a one of the best Pink Floyd songs. But it's um, strangers passing in the street by chance, two separate glances meet, and I am you, and what I see is me. Mm. You know, it's like strangers passing in the streets, very like monotone and chill. Uh-huh. But he said that those lyrics define him. He actually said that. Wow. And that explains all of this equal, you know, we're all the same. We're all on this planet together. Yeah. He's very anti-war. He's very pro-peace. He's very anti-nuclear. And he is adamant about Well, nuclear it. war. Nuclear war. Like nuclear, nuclear war. bombs. Right, bombs. Atomic yeah. bombs. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't realize how, I mean, plenty of people talk about pro-peace, but he is living it. I mean, he's writing letters to government officials and yeah, still Putin, doing it fucking bro. guy's 78 years old still writing letters to putin amazing <laughs> i wonder if crazy. if like when you're that famous and you have been that long and also so iconic like he talked about his lyrics and he's like well to me it meant this but other people listen to mean something else and it's very personal and it's just powerful and there's like this hypnotic state kind of that big bands can create with audiences i wonder if to him he realizes that, you know, his voice, all the power of his lyrics have so much impact on people that it to him it's not weird to, like, write a letter to Putin. He's like, yeah, people listen to what I say. Yeah. So I have to be very careful about how I say things. And I have to – or I want to have an important message. And he just boils it down to, like, peace, love, treat everyone good, you know. And also – he is the opposite of anti-Semitic, and that's the problem, right, with our government and, and the way things are run. You know, Israel is this very small country, yet it has so much power because the United States backs them, and they're killing Palestinians all day. And Roger's like, what the fuck? How, why is nobody talking about this? Right. It's a huge problem. Yeah. And I no, mean, no they, one's talking about it. But they fight it. against each other, you know, and they just— True. You know, Israel has a lot more power than a lot of the Palestinians, so it's it's like oppressive in that direction. But since they war each other, if it was the other way around, it would probably be as ugly the other way. Yeah, it's I mean, ju- it it just I mean the guy is he's so passionate about not only his music but his right obviously his writing is his music, but to hear him talk about how. He was still changing up. He would watch. Mem- did you remember this part where he would he would do a show and then he goes back to the hotel and watches the show by himself and takes notes on how he can make it better? I mean, that's what, cool. Holy shit! Yeah, 
or that near the end there, he was talking about, it was like some kids in Oakland that had like, that came from a bad home and they went out to one of his shows. Right. He started crying, dude. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. He was talking about how, you know, none of these children have two parents. One's either a junkie or in prison. And they went out to one of his shows recently. And when he talked about that, he literally started crying to Joe about it, about how much these kids, it was like the first time that they, the first thing that they had ever done that they were proud of. You know what I liked about that? In their life. It seemed like a really kind of reflectively eye-opening moment. Because all he thought about was the show at first. And he's like, these kids are kind of annoying. They're not (laughs) really doing what I need them to do. And they're barely showing up. And then afterwards, he realizes, oh, it's because they haven't had, you know, guidance and structure and good mentors. And they're not as lucky as a lot of the other kids. Yet, it meant the world to them. And I guarantee that changed the way that he move forward just probably in the world when it came to interacting with people he's like instead of just being like oh yeah quick judgment that person's annoying he's like wait a minute what's this person's background and maybe getting to meet him is a big deal for them and is something that they can be really proud of it was cool i like that that was emotional that was a that was the most emotional spot on the on all three of these podcasts. All right, let's talk about the biggest bit of bullshit in this podcast. Oh, for sure. Alice you know Wonderland? what I'm talking about? No, dude. Wizard our, of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Sorry. You keep saying that. No. No, cuz I Go ahead. No. It's Wizard it's the Wizard of Oz. Right. And they play it's Dark Side of the Moon, right? Yep. The album Dark Side of the Moon, but when yeah. do you start it? There's a The Third Roar of the Lion. Okay. It links up. We we'll do it in the studio sometime this week. It'll be fun. And uh maybe we we'll have some uh pharmaceutical help with that one too. Well, see, this it's kind of like the telephone game. It reminds me because when I when we did this in 7th or 8th grade is when I got into Pink Floyd. Mhm. We used Alice in Wonderland. Same fucking album, Alice in Wonderland. We did. I never tried it with Wizard of Oz, so I'm okay. excited to check it out. I will also do it with Alice in Wonderland with you. See which one's and better. If it isn't even, I bet you five hundred dollars <laughs> that it I'm not doesn't betting. even link up I'm, at all. I'm not I've betting. never heard this, and that is nonsense. Well, we're gonna have to find a Reddit feed. We'll figure it out, right? <laughs> Reddit. It's always Reddit, but but. but Here's the thing. He played it off so quickly that it almost, it was, it, I mean, it was cute. I don't think he's being de- deceptive at all. No, no, no. no, no. He's, he's not a deceptive he's person. A, no, he even knows something that he just thinks is fun and they all want to keep, like, the whole band just says, look, we agreed to never say anything, but we linked this up. Or it really is random, but it just was dismissed so fast. Yeah. Because he wasn't even excited about it. He wasn't like, you know, it was great that it lined up like that. No. That was so fun. He was just like, nah, that's nonsense. It was he was almost pissed that it even got brought up. Yeah. It's like, like oh, like a glad we glad we cleared that one up, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, glad we got that out of the way, dude. Dude, that that thing links up so hard that See, it it is nuts. I think it's a coincidence, but I'll have to figure it out. Because I thought it linked up really well with Alice in Wonderland, and apparently that wasn't even the fucking thing you're supposed to do. <laughs> so, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But what a ledge. Legend. So glad he was on. What a ledge. Yeah. 
What a badass. I can't believe he came on. I, I So I need to look at his tour dates because it sounds like these tours that he's doing are a little bit different than what they've been in the past. It's more poetic. Yeah, dude, Joe, Ari, and yeah, they went. Um, um, uh, Tony went Bert, to dinner with did him. Did Bert not go? No, oh. Bert and Tom had to go out of town. But they all went to dinner with him after the concert, I think. So dope. How dope is that? Or maybe so before. Dope. It's probably before. I wonder who. I wonder if uh, Joe probably s- sandbagged him in pool. Oh, to like not thrash him. Remember at the end, he's like, it's your break. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? All right, let's jump over to freaking Sober October. Come Oof, on. Good job, guys. Bert. Bert. Dude, Bert was on one. Took the freaking... He basically did the podcast. He did the whole thing. I don't think Ari and Tom said much of anything. Tom basically said nothing the whole podcast. Segura was in the background the whole time. You know what it was? And Bert brought it up at the end. He was like, Tom needs to leave. Like, I think Tom was late so and, like, good. a bit worried about... He so was in he a was weird just mood. checked out, yeah. <laughs> he was like, I gotta go. This he was boy. chomping. He was chomping to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's was just on one, as always. Oh, man. Ridiculous. And the shit that they all give Bert. There is nobody I've ever seen that humbly takes that as well as Bert does. Yeah. He seems like a really humble person. Especially with some of the honesty that he talks about, like being terrible at sex. (laughs) Or like, he just owns it. He's like, yeah, this happened and this was this story. I'm like, dude, he even prefaces the story with, um, yeah, people have told me never to mention this, ever. But I'm going to. So he just does it on the biggest media platform ever created. Well, but then realizes that they've already mentioned it in the past, so it's not even a big deal. Yeah, like not massive. being able to swim. Is that what we're talking about? Somebody not being able to swim. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Sebastian, <laughs> the comedian. Yeah. That, that was a hell of a call out for him. I uh, guarantee this guy's going to learn how to swim after that. I, I just, he he's a maniac. I mean, how they talked about his blood work being great and, you know, just somehow the guy can drink like a fish all day, every day, and still just have amazing blood work and nothing wrong like he literally the the doctor thought he was lying to him it doesn't make sense the doctor's like bert there's no way you drink every night what are you talking about no i don't understand he has no clogs in his arteries he must have like some sort of super liver and they were saying if he sobered up he'd be great at sports Mm. you know he's just like a natural athlete and like good at these things i mean when joe brings up how delusional he is it's just because Joe has spent most of his life trying to figure out the truth, right? What is real? Yeah. And people blowing smoke and saying outlandish bullshit, it's like it frustrates the fuck out of Joe, for right. sure. Right. It's like, oh, I could do that. I could beat Bruce Lee in a fight. And Joe's like, fuck off, could you? So I think Bert like, is, is like the anticipate of this like he's just that thing that joe is like no when you talk nonsense to me i can't stand it yet sometimes he pulls it off he loves it i mean the guy just ran a marathon dude he just ran a marathon off the couch yeah my the my favorite thing that bert said on the entire three and a half hour podcast they did or three three twenty the uh when he when oliver stone was at a party and Bert, Bert goes, he so did not feel my energy. <laughs> he's, like, he's 
just like going off, yeah. telling Oliver Stone that The Godfather was a fucking brilliant movie. Amazing. Even though, obviously, that was uh, Francis Francis Ford Coppola did that movie. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't Oliver. Stone. Yeah, that's Nicholas Cage's <laughs> uncle. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, but either way, the wrong guy. That's why Nicholas got so famous, eh? Wasn't from his acting. No, supposedly, I think he changed his name to not take that credit. Oh, well, and, good for him. But who knows? Good he for him. Still did. But that's the thing. Like Bert now is very famous. So he can like leverage those interactions, but he's kind of been around this world for a long time. So when he wasn't known, he was still the same guy. Yeah. And this is why these guys love him because he's so genuine, even yeah. though he's, you know, p- embarrasses the fuck out of himself. He loves to. He just like gets in there, says what he wants, and I, I just think it's brilliant how he bring up the most you know, um, kind of self-deprecating stories that you can even imagine. And he doesn't care. He's just like, oh, I did this, and then I did that, and then I peed my pants. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I I really appreciated him talking about his, is it his, um, does he have a teenager, a girl? Yeah. Right. How, yeah, he has a few kids, but a teenage girl. His now, teenage yeah. girl came to one of their shows, and this woke, you know, supposedly woke, these woke teenagers these days. And Bert kept looking over at her being like, is she laughing? Is she laughing? And then mm-hmm. finally she like starts smirking me like, sorry, dad. And he goes, honey, this is, you're supposed well, to you, laugh. You know who they were watching, right? You're supposed to laugh. Was it Chappelle? No, Shane Gillis. Oh, it was from... Gillis. That's right. The Gillian special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dude that drinks all the beers on the yeah, yeah, yeah. Save Our Parks. Of course. Of and, course. And yeah, I mean, Shane is pro-Trump and a Republican. And but who knows? He's not like massively politically active. He just like is kind of into it. So it's the type of comedy that somebody that is quote unquote woke could say, "Hey, I'm not going to like this." The beautiful thing is, though, Shane is so genuine and so funny and just brilliant. I mean, his skits are unbelievable. That it just breaks right through there. And that's yeah. what comedy is. It's, it's like it, it doesn't yeah. matter who we are, how different we are, whatever. If it's funny and really funny, it just it just lands, dude. It lands. Yeah. I it's just nice to it's nice to see all these guys, and they talk about it a lot, but all these guys in the room together, they're still helping each other, they're on each other's podcasts. It's just cool. They're they're and they're all crushing. Mm-hmm. And they're all helping each other out. There's none of this. I'm better than you mentality no, at all. Well, Joe talked about it, right? And he always does. It's none of this famine mentality stuff. But they all do it, not just Joe. Like he, I feel like he's helping them fig- like talk about it more. You yeah, know? I think he was a big influence in it, realistically. I think that he was a big voice. But, you know, he probably learned from somebody as well. So it just goes down and he brought it into the water comedy. What I liked is when they talked about Schultz. And yep. when Schultz got yep. to the comedy store and was like, you know what, guys? This is really fun and everyone's supportive. And he's kind of taken that energy back to New York that was, from what I've heard, a traditionally more famine mentality. It's like, I'm against you. I get the show. We're all working for like an SNL spot or a TV show. Hey, guys. After 15 years of fine print contracts and getting to, right? That's that's a primarily that, East Coast thing. But now. hold on. I think that that was comedy thing all over. Back in, it yeah. just It just kind of, 
after maybe like the 2010s at the comedy store, and especially when Joe got back to the store, that's when it really started to be like a cooperative, everyone's coming on, everyone's podcast energy, and that just is starting to spread. And you know that Rogan's going to do that in Austin. Absolutely. I Absolutely, mean, and yeah, I hope they no do the cave won't. that cave theater in Tennessee. Remember, they were pulling up pictures that looked Dude, sick. How good was that? Remember when uh, <laughs> Joe was like, "Who's that on stage?" And Ari's like, "I think that's your mom." He's like, "Oh God, my mom." <laughs> Those guys is great. Dude. I can't believe they're giving shit uh, for Ari having a a, a bad uh, 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 suit game. It's like Ari's looking good. He's always wearing nice suits. Joe was giving him shit about their suit game. They yeah, he said he had good suits. He gets them from like Thailand or whatever. They're such they're such old rich white guys though. I mean, come on, they're talking about their watches for like twenty minutes and then the yeah, suits. Yeah, but hold on, it's just hold funny. On. Dude, it's funny. I know you're a watch guy, so you're gonna defend this. No, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Look, I I think it is slightly unreasonable to spend a lot of money on a watch. Ten G's, yeah. Well, but also when it's when it's like they they have really worked through ju- I mean Ari used to be on the door. Yeah. At no, the comedy look, store. I don't, Dude, they pay you like ten bucks an hour to do that back then. I get it. They they did you hear them doing gigs for like a hundred and fifty dollars? Yeah, but set? but then they did a gig for Tony Robbins and somebody was like, I need fifteen hundred and and Tony gave him fifteen hundred. Yeah. And they were making nothing. <laughs> it's like, dude, these guys have done probably the most painful and terrifying gigs for almost nothing so many times that if they want to talk about buying like a $7,000 watch, I get I'm, it. I'm, a, I'm all for Look, it. Look, I get it. Seven Gs is nothing to to these guys at this point in their lives, yeah, so no they doubt. can laugh about it. If it... Like Bert gets all excited about treating himself with Kool Aid and shit. If he wants to look at his watch, <laughs> Tito's. He's like, "Can you believe they brought me Tito's?" I'm like, "Bro, that bottle is like 15 bucks. Relax." 28. All right, but yeah, it's cheap vodka and it's good. Mm. It's good vodka. If you're a vodka person, I'm I don't. A big fan. I'm not a huge fan of big vodka. Fan. But well, Ari didn't even take Joe's watch. He's like, "You can oh, have that's it." That's right. That Rolex. Yeah, he's he like, take "Don't want it." He's not a watch guy. Uh, yeah, but Ari is like, "I don't." I don't need shit either. I think he still has a flip phone. I'd like to know if he took it after they were off air. I doubt it. No. Nah. No, he was pretty out of it. He wouldn't have done it He's not a watch guy. He would rather pee in the hallway. (laughs) In the bottle. Yeah. (laughs) Then, like, to him, he just wants stories that mean something. That was was my favorite, um, you know, conglomeration of, of the homies. That have that been on the air for a while with Joe, you know they've been doing a lot of them with Gillis and uh, not Hinchcliffe, but uh, yep, yep. And this is this was my favorite one, probably because Bert took over. Yeah, but dude, the, this is like the original. It's like, they've been original? doing they've been doing Sober October for a long time, and, and it's and always it's, been these four. It's yeah, okay, and they're just it's so good. And then when they compete against each other make a competition and get silly with it all i mean obviously they need to calm down because joe will just go psychopathic on yeah. them all and and crush him i guess what i should have said is i like sober october better than national parks oh i do throwing Ooh. it out there i like them both i'm, th- I'm but they like i different. don't like it they're just and maybe get, it's because they're sober i get <laughs> very excited for sober october i'm not gonna lie i love to see what they're up to. Cheers and, to that. Yeah, Cheers to Sober October. Yeah. 
as we drink white. We Coles. don't have a beer sponsor. No, don't say anything. We don't have zero beer sponsors. Come oh, on. okay. Well, white claw is not a beer. It's just what we happen to have in the studio. Malt, it's malt liquor. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope that they got? come back November first and do a drunken version of this. What about the tour that they talked about? The that's tour. fucking huge. It's gonna be amazing. Dude. That's huge. Dude, when does the, when did were they saying that's gonna happen? I think they got to like May of next year because well, they're all really busy and Joe needs to make a new hour. But they're gonna do it at bigger stadiums though, which bigger venues. None of them are as, as I mean. They might least, do Red Rocks because Joe hasn't been there. That right, would be dope. But the stadium, it, you know, they talked a lot about how the stadium is so much different than the theater, and they're all gonna have to come up with new bits because it's just totally different. Mm-hmm. Totally different when you're speaking to a crowd of ten thousand people, twenty thousand people. But all these guys know how to do it. I think we got to go. I don't think Ari has done a stadium though. Ari, Ari hasn't done the stadium. No, but he could do it. He could adjust. Segura crushes. He's he's such a professional right now and has so much experience. He wouldn't have a problem. He did ask to do two. I remember (laughs) Joe was like, "No, you do one, then you're fired. (laughs) You get one go." Yeah. That would be an amazing tool to go watch. Do you think Bert's really going to write a self-help book, or was he just messing with us? Because I'd love to read it. Oh, God, imagine. (laughs) The irony. Treats. He could just call it treats. Yeah, treats. (laughs) Things I like to treat myself with and delusions I believe in. Oh, Lastly, I want to finish with the video they played of (laughs) Chappelle coming on stage. So good. So they're in Ohio. I think of the OSU place mm. and well, no, it wasn't where he's from it was at osu okay no well Chappelle's from somewhere in ohio he's in akron ohio. yeah that's right yeah, yeah. oh close by yeah and i guess tony went up i assume if it was if tony introduced Chappelle, that means that rogan still went last so he pushed his spot back but when he came out imagine going to that it was thinking insane. you're gonna see Tony and Rogan. So already great time. And then Brilliant. surprise. I've seen them both live, and they are incredible. It's so fun to watch. Then, out of nowhere, Chappelle. Yeah. And that minute-long, like, standing ovation. I mean, oh, that's was, like a rock it was star. A, it was a roaring, roaring Dude. <laughs> standing ovation. Yeah. That's pretty freaking cool. So fun. I'm so pissed we didn't make the the show here, that special show that he did with John Mayer. Oh. Yeah, but dude, those tickets sold out in like 14 seconds. I, I know, seconds. I'm just throwing it out there. We missed it. He came to I know. Livingston, to get, Montana, 20 minutes from that. here, and we didn't fucking go. Well, I, I, I hope know. that comes I out. Myself. I hope that comes out in a special of some sort. They had to have videotaped that. I sure hope so, because yeah, I no can't doubt. wait to watch it. It'd be cool to watch John Mayer and then Chappelle. They were doing bits together, from what I heard. I had a buddy dude, go. John Mayer is He's a funny dude. very funny. Funny dude. Yeah. I mean, they were singing. And he loves comedy. They were singing songs together. That's cool. Yeah. What a time. Yeah. Great time. The great fucking time for comedy, man. And we need to get to, to some shows, for sure. January, or whenever they open the, sh- the club down there, we gotta get down there. Yeah. You know? Because you know he's gonna have so many of these heavy hitters down there. And I think these his show his um, comedy place is going to be sold out for. Oh yeah, absolutely. In Austin, it'll be sold out every every time they do a show there. I mean, at least when when the heavy hitters do. Yeah, heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. All right. Well, great fucking week. Thanks 
to everyone that listened or at least listened to the end of this podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, stay tuned next week for more delicious episodes of the Joe Rogan Experience. Nice sign off. Later. Later.